0: Maybe that's just one sermon's enough, don't you think? <laughs> you probably understand that one more than you understand this one coming up, so... <clears throat> makes the sermon service a little shorter. So, um, also in your bulletin today, as we begin to embark upon this good journey, we've included a new feature, which is a scripture memory verse. You'll see that right at the end of the order of of worship. Uh, The uh, scripture memory verse for September we're going to encourage you to memorize is from John chapter 10, verse 10. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly, the words of Jesus. Uh, Pretty short verse, pretty easy to remember. But uh, we also believe that part of the good journey is to allow the word of God to be imprinted upon our hearts. And what a wonderful way as a family of God to uh, take this journey together than to memorize together uh, common scripture verses. So I encourage you to uh, take that bulletin home with you, uh, maybe cut out the scripture verse and put it somewhere, maybe in your journal or on your mirror where you uh, look all the time um, or anywhere else that you might be able to visit that and remember this great scripture verse and these words of Jesus, I come that you may have life. And have it abundantly also um, we began last week taking a look at uh, this starts of the good journey that oftentimes in life our finish line ends up being possibly the starting line for the next chapter of our life and uh, many of you I know have Uh, thoughts in your head about what that might mean for you. So, we talked about starting line, finish lines yesterday, or last week, and now today we're embarking upon what is it that we might think about as we wonder about the direction we take in this good journey. And for those purposes, we turn to Colossians chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. Paul writes and says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh, this one whom we seek to follow in our good journey. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. A couple of years ago it was announced that at the United States Naval Academy they had begun to reintroduce into their curriculum training in celestial navigation. The science of navigating by use of the stars. Evidently a decade or so ago before they had had decided to eliminate from the curriculum the subject of celestial navigation because of the advance of global positioning systems, GPS, which you and I have on our phones. The beaming of signals from satellites that tell us where to go and where we are going. The world has gotten pretty used to GPS and the Navy decided that Back then, it was just easier to turn on your computer or go to your phone and figure out where you are and where you are going. But then the question dawned on somebody in high rank, what happens if the GPS doesn't work? What happens if cyber warfare knocks out some satellites or the power grid? What What do we do then? Well, one thing nobody can do is knock out the stars. The stars are always up there they are our fixed points by which to to assess where we are and where we are going so now every cadet in the in the Naval Academy needs to learn about the heavens it would have been no surprise to the wise men and women of long ago if there was anything to be counted upon in the ancient times it was the stars of heaven At Christmas time, we will talk about wise men from the east who looked up at the heavens and noticed a star. Maybe it was a comet, a supernova, or some other celestial being, and they directed their lives by this heavenly entity, and it took them to the place where Jesus was born. Engineers and builders and surveyors, Centuries and centuries ago took their measurements from the Sun and the moon and the major constellations in the sky to establish the fixed parameters of their own creations The great religious traditions of today fix their calendars on the movements of the Sun and the moon The timing of Christmas and Easter are directly related to the winter and the spring equinox our predecessors were star gazers, because the heavenly bodies were the reliable framework for our comings and goings in the world. So maybe it's no surprise that the Apostle Paul, while writing to his friends at the church in Colossae and explaining to them about the good journey of faith, this path that we would seek to walk with and into the heart of God, it's no surprise that Paul says, set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. Now it's not that Paul wished for us to you know, get out our telescopes and look for rings of Saturn or the Milky Way to figure out where to go. But for Paul, this was the way of saying that the good journey has everything to do with fixing our eyes on that which is spiritually above. And what is spiritually above is the resurrected Jesus who, who has been raised from the dead and who has ascended into heaven. What is above, not literally above, but figuratively above, is the way, the truth, and the life of the resurrected Jesus there's any way you're going to get through life, Paul says, it won't be by staring at the trail. It won't be by counting the stepping stones. It won't be by jumping and forth, back and forth, between diversion paths. For with no fixed point above, he says, offered by the beings of heaven, we are bound to lose our way, fall from the path, walk in circles, and end up where we don't want to be. Set your mind on things above. And not on things on the earth. Truth is life does have its way of blowing us off course. The winds and the gales around us have this insidious ability to convince us that the powers around us are greater than the powers above us. And when we take our gaze away from those things that are above, we begin to think that maybe, maybe there are shortcuts we can take. Maybe there are expectations we can lessen for ourselves. Maybe there are goals and aspirations that we should cross off our list as unreasonable. There are virtues, we may wonder, that are just old-fashioned. So just take the road most traveled, the trail that seems the easiest as we look at things upon the earth. There's this wonderful scene in C.S. Lewis' story, Prince Caspian, where the four Pevensey children are trying to make their way through unfamiliar territory, and they get to a point where the paths diverge, and one road looks a little dangerous and somewhat perhaps in a direction away from where they think they need to go. The other road appears to make a bit more sense, but as they're trying to decide, Lucy, the youngest child, sees in the distance, down the more difficult path, the faint image of Aslan the lion, the Christ figure in the story. And because she sees Aslan down this path, it is apparent for her that this is the way for them to go. But the rest of the children don't see the lion, so they disregard Lucy's eyewitness, and the group votes against her, and they choose the seemingly easier, better path. And Lucy reluctantly gives in, and sure enough, it's a path that only gets them into more trouble. And finally, when they are In over their heads Aslan appears before Lucy again and this time they talk face to face and Lucy explains that though Aslan saw him that though she saw Aslan and though she knew that that was the right path to choose she didn't really have a choice because the others wanted to go the other way she felt she had to go with the road most traveled there is such seduction in the road most travel. So Paul says, as you and I are starting out on this good journey, oh, lots of trails, lots of countervailing winds, lots of easier forks, lots of errant signs, but set your mind on things above and not on things that are on the earth. Look up, Paul says, and see Aslan. You remember the famous Norman Rockwell painting that depicts the front of a big city cathedral and before it are hundreds of city pedestrians walking back and forth in front of the cathedral and to a pedestrian they have their faces and eyes pointed downward as if not to notice even their fellow human beings. Today perhaps they would have them staring at smartphones. None of the wayfarers is smiling, but on the sign in the front of the cathedral are four words. Four words that most cannot see because they're looking down. And the four words are, lift up thine eyes. Lift up thine eyes. We begin to imagine then that maybe on the start of this good journey to lift up our eyes is the first is the first step to see the fixed points the way the truth and the life of Jesus Dorothy Day that great Roman Catholic activist who became the driving force for the Catholic worker movement came coming alongside the down-and-out in New York City arguing always for the cause of human justice said this Christians she said are commanded to live in a way that doesn't make any sense unless God exists. Christians are commanded to live in a way that doesn't make any sense unless God exists. The good journey is the journey that points to this one above, that they'll know we are Christians by our love, that we would be willing to do the nonsensical in order to show that our coordinates come from heaven. And maybe that's the challenge that you and I face because the past that so often get laid in front of us seldom take God into account and it's just easier to do the thing that makes sense to everybody else to keep instead of give, to harbor resentment instead of show mercy, to worry about me and not about anybody else, to let others deal with injustice while I got what I want. All that stuff that makes sense when there is nothing above. But what is above, Paul says, is the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus. He's our fixed point. He's the immovable. heavenly body. He's the one who points us to that abundant life, and it's not just about doing less bad things, clearing, cleaning up our act, but it's Jesus who points us to the horizon to direct us toward that incredibly joyful, abundant, challenging life of loving God and loving neighbor. That's the fixed point. That keeps us on course toward the higher things, the richer things, the gracious things, the beautiful things, despite how ugly, how easy, how stormy, how confusing the world can seem to be. Like the story of the disciple Peter in the midst of the storm in the Sea of Galilee responds to the command of Jesus to step out of the boat and walk toward him and he does something I, I know I wouldn't do. He actually does it. He gets out of the boat and he walks toward that fixed point but then the wind and the waves catch his attention and down he goes. It's hard to navigate celestially. I continue to be inspired by the young Malala, a Pakistani young woman who was raised in a family that believed that women should be realizing their potential just as much as men, but this went against the prevailing religious culture, and she could see that most young women were being held down and held back from becoming who they could become. So she checked the stars and fixed her coordinates and began to speak out on behalf of her fellow sisters. And what that got her was a bullet in the face from an angry religious person. And after months of surgeries and rehabilitation, she made a decision. In her words, she said, I could live a quiet life, i.e. the path most traveled, or I could make the most of the new life I had been given. I determined to continue my fight until every girl can go to school. That's steering by the stars. That is setting your mind on things above. I suppose that's what we hear when we gather at this table. The risen Jesus sets us a place. We pull up close and we set our minds on things above. And we see this Jesus, while the world seems to be going to hell around him, while the gales seem to be blowing against him, we see this Jesus doing the same thing that doesn't make any sense until unless God exists. We see this Jesus looking himself up to heaven and breaking and the bread and pouring the cup, reminding us of this way, this truth, and this life of giving yourself for the world about being so full of the love of God that it can't help but spill out of you, about loving your neighbor as much as you love yourself, about no greater love has anyone than this than one who lays down his life. Lift up thine eyes and see the points of light and see the stars to steer by.